Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus, joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. Good morning. We are starting this week into a new series on the fruit of the Spirit. When we first started talking about this new series, I was excited about it. I can talk about this stuff all day long. I love talking about the work of the Spirit, how lives are transformed by the power of the Spirit of God through the Holy Spirit within them. Fullness and freedom we have in Christ Jesus. But in these last few weeks, I started to struggle thinking about launching into this series. The hurt and the pain, the gross injustices against people of color, I know these things aren't new, but they're just being highlighted afresh in awful ways. Divisiveness and harshness in social media is causing angst and anger and anxiety. None of this feels like fullness. None of it feels like freedom. And so I started to just pray to God, God, how am I supposed to talk about the fruit of the Spirit now? I want to talk about cultivating growth and new life in Jesus. And all I see is oppression and pain and injustice. But this is exactly where we need to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us and working through us. One great reminder I read was this, the Spirit must have a body on which the Spirit can rest. And that body turns out to be called church. Church, it's us. The world needs spirit-led, spirit-empowered, spirit-dependent people in the very midst of this time, in the midst of broken and hurting, because it's through spirit-led people that God can break through with renewal, honor, and freedom for our world, for our city, for our neighborhoods. But the problem is that sometimes the brokenness and justice and all of that is happening right here in our midst, in our very churches. And that brings me to our context for our passage today. The term fruit of the Spirit comes from Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Galatians is an epistle or a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to churches in the region of Galatia. These are churches that he had helped to establish during a previous missionary journey. And initially, they had accepted the good news of Jesus as Savior, God's Son sent to bring reconciliation and salvation for all. They had accepted that good news. But now, they are existing as church with Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians, or Gentiles, trying to be the church together. And they argued about whether or not they needed to continue to keep certain aspects of Jewish law as the people of God. See, Paul had first taught them salvation is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. Faith in Christ means true freedom. But over time, they were adding to that message an asterisk, a plus sign, faith plus keeping some elements of the Jewish law like circumcision. And what happened is they had become, there had become an us and them feeling between Jew and Gentile where the message was, you, Gentile, need to assimilate to us, Jews, to fit in here. Now, I know the circumstances are very different, but I hear in this echoes of something that I've heard even recently about the experience of black people in our church, which is majority white. 
Even as recently as last Sunday, one of our partners, Lucas, brought this up. And I remember I've actually heard it before. There's an unspoken expectation at church that people of color should assimilate into majority white culture rather than our collective culture being reshaped in light of the cross of Jesus. We are one in Christ with all of our diversity still intact. So in other words, it should not be you assimilate to us, but instead we need to become a new us that honors the fullness of all of those with us. Again, I realize the situation is very different, but Paul speaks right into their context in a way that still feels very applicable to us in this moment because Paul says, no, you need to learn how to be church together. No assimilation, no asterisks on what one group needs to change in order to fit in. Get back to what you were taught. Through Jesus, you have full freedom. He starts with that, but then he transitions with this question. What are you going, how are you going to use this freedom that you have in Christ Jesus? Paul starts teaching about a battle that exists in all of us. And he sets up this battle as the acts of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit. I'll start in Galatians 5:13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Some translations call this sinful nature. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So you are not to do whatever you want. What Paul is saying here is this freedom you have doesn't mean that we do whatever we want because our sinful nature will lead us to fall to acts of the flesh. So when he sets up this acts of the flesh, he's not giving us a complete list here. That's not the point, but he does list out some examples of acts of the flesh. He includes sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is kind of a funny word, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So let's try to look at a theme here. What's a theme that we can see in this list since it's not an exhaustive list? A theme is, in some people that I read, one said, the flesh destroys, destroys fellowship, unity, and holiness. Another one said, flesh dehumanizes people, destroys relationships and communities. So these are actions which emphasize self, self preservation, self-happiness, gratification, self at the cost of others, at the cost of the others. And it, they also displace God. It's the opposite of loving God and loving others. So then Paul compares that list with another list, which he calls fruit of the spirit. And this is where we're going to focus our attention over the next few weeks. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
there is no law against these things. So let me start by explaining for just a minute what this list is and is not, because I think it can be misunderstood. It sounds a little bit like a grocery list to check off in order to be a good Christian, doesn't it? Like if it were a grocery list, I have to get some apples, bananas, pineapple, grapes. I have to be more loving, kind, peaceful, patient, good. Here's my to-do list. I need to check them off. And that's not what this is. Number one, it's not an exhaustive list. Like get these things right and boom, you've got it. It's not this. this is, these are some characteristics of a life lived by the Spirit, a life willing to be shaped and molded by the working of the Spirit in our lives. It's also not a separate list of things to work on. This is, being a this is a description of a singular fruit of a life. It's like if I were to say this apple is tart, crisp, refreshing, and juicy, and sweet. It's describing a singular fruit born of a life lived by the Spirit. And this imagery actually isn't new. The Gospel of Luke records Jesus teaching on the concept of a life-bearing fruit. Luke 6, starting in 43, Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what this imagery is getting at is this. If you are a fruit-bearing tree, what kind of fruit do you produce if you're living submitted to the work of the Spirit of God? Notice Paul's word choice in comparing these two things of the battle that's in each of us. He talks about acts of the flesh, actions, conscious decisions, actions that we do. And yet he compares this to fruit, which is born. It evokes a different kind of imagery. It changes from an image of human responsibility in these acts to one of divine enablement, something that is born of the spirit of God who produces fruit in the life of a Christian. All of us have an internal battle going on inside of us, our flesh versus the spirit. And Paul is saying, we have to choose which of these two you are going to let rule you. Which one will you give the power to? Paul wanted the Galatians not only to be free from the law, but also to be free from the flesh, free from their sinful nature. But we can't do this simply by expecting to do better, pull up our bootstraps and be better, grit our teeth or try harder. We can't do it on our, on our own and we don't have to. That's where the spirit comes in. So the spirit works in us and through us and does the transforming work. And we submit regularly to the spirit and we see fruit cultivated, grown, matured. This is a lifelong process. It's not an arrival place. Fruit is a byproduct of living by the spirit and it is a grace, a free gift from God, which we have access to through Jesus. So it's not that we're to bear this fruit on our own, but it is something to be cultivated. We're gonna go through all the characteristics listed by Paul in this passage about the fruit of the spirit. But actually for today's purposes, we're gonna start with the last one, self-control. Because this one feels a little tricky given all that I've just said, right? Wait, Melissa, you just said that we can't do this on our own. It's the spirit's work, not ours. And now you're saying, get control of yourself, do this work. And the fact is, yes, the fruit of the Spirit, this is a grace, a free gift from God, but there is such thing as grace-driven effort, a choice to participate in light of the grace that's been given. 
choosing to engage with self-control in response to being captivated by the love of God as we've experienced through Jesus. Not to earn our salvation, not to get on God's good side, but in response to the love that's already lavishly been poured out onto us. This is interesting to note about self-control. It is significant that it is the spirit that is said to be the one responsible for this part of the fruit. The spirit will do the empowering and the enabling to make decisions and choices to participate in the cultivating of the life of the spirit, which grows fruit that looks like this list, love, joy, peace, patience, God's own character. And that's another thing I wanna say about this list. Again, it's not exhaustive, but this is reflecting the character of God. This is what we were meant for, being true image bearers. And this is what human flourishing looks like. So the self-control implies that the spirit will do the work, but we cultivate and choose things that foster growth and flourishing by participating with the Holy Spirit's work. I recognize it's a cheesy example, but I love to garden. And here in the city, that looks like a little window box. So a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about this. I just got a group of various plants and I put them along with my daughter into the window box and they looked really little and separate and fledgling for lack of a better word. I can't grow those plants, only God can grow the plants, but I can participate in the cultivation of what God is doing by fertilizing, watering, weeding, deadheading old blossoms. And now just a few weeks later, my window boxes are all overflowing and all of the plants are meshed together into an image of an overall look of really thriving. Not to brag, they're pretty this year. This brings me to my final thought for clarification on this. I wanna point this out, this fruit of the spirit conversation, it's not just about you. And I confess, when I first became aware of this passage years ago, I fell into this trap that Dave talked about last week. I didn't even realize I was doing this typical Western Christian thing with the individualistic lens of reading the scripture. My relationship with Jesus, this was about my growth, my developing, my salvation, all of that, my experience, my growth, my journey. And yes, our journey, we're a part of it, and that is important. But what Paul is talking about here is calling a community back to this for the sake of becoming new, inclusive family in a moment of divisiveness, still maintaining their diversity. But this was a call for a community to honor one another. When I think about participation with the work of the Spirit as fruit is born in me, and I specifically think about self-control in this moment, I'll just share what I'm learning. Right now, as a white person, I'm learning self-control looks like submitting to the Spirit to learn when to be slow to speak, when to choose listening instead of using my own voice and being willing to follow the Spirit when I'm willing to take action when it's called upon. It's not about taking over or rushing into things. I'm trying to learn and practice and do these things in self-control for the sake of the other. It sounds a lot like the things that Jesus was talking about, dying to self and building up the other. Control me for building space for other people. That's what it looks like for me. And admittedly, it's a work in progress. And I encourage you to consider what self-control submitted to the spirit might look like for you in this particular time.
Scott McKnight says this, whereas the flesh destroys fellowship, here the spirit creates fellowship, unity, and holiness right in the midst of the people of God, to be God's presence in the broken, hurting places. When we live by the Spirit, we become vessels of the Spirit, the body of people, the church, through whom God lives and acts and engages exactly in the broken, hurting places right now. Which brings me back to where I started wrestling with God about this conversation while the newspaper app is on my phone in one hand and commentaries on Galatians are in my other hand. And this is what I want to share. Church, I believe in this moment, God is calling us to commit to a new cultivating work with self-control, with self-decided participation to actively cultivate this fruit in a life submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit in our own lives and in the lives of our church community so that we can engage with, engage for, engage on behalf of others in advocacy that looks a lot like prayer and action and listening. Our call right now is not about individual growth. Yes, while that part is important, we need to be committed to this as a need deep in our souls for our communities to shape us as a church so that we can go and be the church even beyond our walls, to be spirit-led, spirit-shaped people in the trenches of brokenness. Let us commit in this series and beyond to actively participate with the work of the Holy Spirit in bearing this kind of fruit for the good of others. How do we do that? I don't have a quick answer because the Spirit needs to do this work, but I do have a guide to help. We have created an online resource and the link is in the description below. While the answer is the Holy Spirit, we are choosing in self-controlled discipline to choose practices of engagement. And this guide will help you with prayers, scriptures, practices to commit to this journey beyond Sunday mornings. Won't you join us? Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.